Welcome to the Miss Manual Podcast. Home to viewing a female's perspective in the automotive and motorsport industry. I could tell a joke. Let me see if I can think of a joke. Um, what's blue and looks like a red bucket? A blue bucket. Uh-huh. See, I think I'm funny. I think I'm funny. I'm funny sometimes, but if somebody asks me to tell a joke, I'm like, uh, 25. Everything has a purpose, and it just validated how this whole Miss Manual legend was born when it came down to originally reaching out to the Decepticon and this guy. It's super detailed, and it has a story behind it. And I, I messaged Andrea, and I was like, I have a question. It was like random question. You told me. You just said it. I was like random question. Um, what are the three things that you feel like are the the big three takeaways you took away from your grandfather? And I said three, and then you came back with seven. And Andrea's gonna go into essentially what's what's some big takeaways that uh, Andrea's taken away from her grandfather, who essentially introduced her at a massive level into the automotive industry and just having the passion that she does with three the three toys that she has and so i'm gonna let you go into it and then we're gonna let loose from there all right okay so i i know that i discussed it in a previous podcast but we'll do a really quick recap for those of you that have not joined up until now the Mm -hmm. so my grandpa built a car for each of his grandchildren Mine is the 57 Bel Air that I have now. Um, Out of all the cars that he built for each of the grandchildren, mine is the only manual. But he, before I learned how to drive, he had Alzheimer's. So as his disease progressed, he really could not understand a lot of the things. Like he knew what he was doing when he worked on that car, but he did not know what he was doing a lot of the rest of the time. So the grand kind of point from that being um, by the time that I learned to drive, he really was not there. So him putting a manual in my car and in none of the other cars meant that he knew from a young age that that was going to be something that I would want. And he could see that passion in me. So he nurtured it. We went to, I was, he helped, or I helped him work on my car all the time. I helped him work on the other cars. I was always in the garage with him. We'd go to car meets and car shows and cruises. And no matter how hot or cold it was, we were going and we were going to have a good time. So number one on my list of things is um, kind of a, it's kind of a short little thing, but it has a fun backstory. Um, If you never drive over 15 miles per hour in a parking lot, you'll never hit anybody. Or anything for that matter. And I mean, back in the 50s, that would have been so because nobody was looking down at their cell phone all the time and being distracted when they were walking across the parking lot. So you could go pretty quickly in a parking lot and people would be able to see you. Not that you should be hauling 80 through like the, the shop and save parking lot. Like you've got some place to be and you've got to pick up your groceries and then be there like uh, Back to the Future or some some whatever. If we hit 88 miles per hour, we'll end up in the produce section. All right, we're going to get there. <laughs> so that is kind of just, 
I never go over 15 in a parking lot. And now I really go like five in a parking lot. I was at the post office today and I had two people back or three people actually back out all together in like a trifecta of mayhem. And luckily they saw each other and they all stopped and then they started honking at each other. And I'm just sitting there like the fourth person like watching this and I'm shaking my head because I didn't get there early enough to be involved, thank goodness, but I'm just, none of you had the patience to look behind you before you backed up. That's kind of a necessity of backing up, you know what I mean? Like, you you don't just get to mash the gas and put it in reverse and be like, well, good luck, everybody else. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. 100%. Everyone's super impatient. It doesn't matter where you go. Everyone said they're like Arizona drivers, California drivers, Florida Illinois drivers. Illinois drivers, like- my goodness. <laughs> Are you? Are you just? You just said that just kind of. No, I used to. I I grew up in the Midwest, uh, near Illinois, and one thing that we always just say was, and I don't mean to like offend anybody, but whenever we saw an Illinois plate, we would be like, "Oh, you got to watch out for those Illinois drivers." And I don't really know why we said that, but I know (laughs) that my mom would always say that to me. So whenever I started driving, I would see somebody with an Illinois license plate, and I would become automatically more cautious for no particular reason. She planted that seed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I never go, I never speed in school zones or construction zones. That's another thing. That's a pet peeve of mine is I'll slow down to go whatever, 20 in the school zone. And I've got Miss Mom in her mom mobile behind me, a gigantic SUV. And she's riding my butt because she's so upset that she's not going to get to where she's going before she has to pick up her kids from school. And I'm just thinking, you know, if this if this was your kid's school, where your kids went, you would be really upset that you were trying to go, you know, 65 in the 25 of the school zone. Like, these are people's kids. These are people's families. Don't speed in the school zone, okay? And I don't speed in the construction zone either because that's, that's – there's people just standing on the road, and that's somebody's, somebody's people. So don't be that way. The question is, where do you speed? Where does Andrea speed? Everywhere. Yeah. Well, drive? once again, speed is relative, but uh, everywhere else. Uh, <laughs> like, it's like, let's not go into that in flashback. Between, in like, between yeah. speed bumps is where, where I speed because that's where it matters. Um. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see. Number two. Number two is um, a car will always do what you tell it to do as long as you're speaking its language. Mm, and and I kind of, you know, people will, they, they're going around a corner and they decide that they are going too fast. So they break in the middle of the corner, like mid corner when their car is pushing all those G's, they're like, you know what? I'm just going to break and totally upset my suspension geometry and they careen off the side of a mountain and they're like the Pikachu meme, okay, down the mountain. <laughs> and it's like, did your mama never tell you you have to break before the corner, not after the, or not during the corner, okay? That's not how that works. The car wants you to speak its language. Stabbing the throttle or stabbing the brakes at any point in time is not speaking the car's language. Cars don't like that. It's a roll on, roll off. 
5k i mean obviously if you're about to like there's always exceptions to these kinds of things like if you are going to hit somebody and you have nowhere else to go please please hit your brakes please mash mash them or pump them if you don't have abs but stabbing the throttle is one of the things that i see people do a lot and they're like oh i just can't this car is scary i can't maintain control and i'm like okay you are literally going from zero to all 400 freaking horses at once and that's not how the car wants to do, okay? The car wants a gradual throttle input, and you can be fast on a gradual throttle input. If you mash it off the line, you're spinning. If you're spinning, you ain't winning. So Ooh. you need to – there's – Yeah, spinning ain't winning. Yeah, there's a lot of – unless, like, you're drifting. But then you're not really – well, I guess you are spinning your tires when you drift. But you're, you're going sideways. I admire people who drift, by the way. I – I mean, I lose traction in the rain, and I'm like, woo, and my, my heart speeds up, and then I get um, I get an arrhythmia, and I'm, like, in the car with my life flashing before my eyes, thinking, like, drifters are a different breed, man. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I'm moving up in the world. Like, I would have drifted on the streets. Oh, man. Um, what would you say? I'm sure there's, like, downfalls or constantly accelerating when there's no reason to especially on especially when you're not speaking the language but the car the language i can't even speak the car's language uh how is that hurting someone's feel i mean uh, you're gonna roast your tires off if you're spinning them everywhere but that's just kind of a personal preference um i, I mean gas mileage you if you have a lead foot you're gonna get worse gas mileage because you're using more gas to go stupid fast everywhere. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's not really terrible for your car to go fast everywhere. It's not like the car wasn't built to go fast. I, I would imagine if you drove your car pinned at, uh, pinned at red line everywhere, that would be a problem or if you're money shifting all the time. But I actually don't, I do not know enough about that particular thing, actually. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, because your car, if you drive a performance car, your car is built to go fast, or you built it to go fast, to perform. That's the whole point of a performance car. I, I'm, okay, if, okay, let's put it in perspective. If I drove my Camaro, I drive my Camaro 80 miles per hour every day, all the time. Mm. In, I mean, I'm in fifth and sixth, so that's the overdrive gears. But I push it pretty hard. And cars, if you push them too hard, I mean, they will break. But it's reparable damage as long as you're taking care of it right and repairing the things that break in the amount of time before, like, something more catastrophic breaks. But if I am hooning my mother's Yukon Denali with 300,000 miles on it that's had the check engine light on for the past, like, 200,000 and it's been let me see it's had lifter tick for 20,000 miles and like severe lifter tick and it's been knocking on and off if I drove that thing 80 miles per hour all day it would blow up like that would be the end of that car so just putting it in perspective you can drive different cars at different levels of entertainment I suppose let's put it that way Fair but enough. if I mean, just... 
it's uh, it, it's also a matter of taking care of a car because I believe you can drive a car to its mechanical advantage as long as you're taking care of it. But some cars just aren't made to perform that way. Some cars are made to be commuter cars. They want to go like 50, 60 all day long and sit in the parking lot from nine to five and then go home and be put in the nice garage all warm and cozy and not have any problems. But other cars are built to handle more abuse. Okay, so it really depends on the class of car that you have. Fair sure, enough. yeah. And the level of maintenance that you're giving it. Yeah, if you're, if you're neglecting your baby, then for sure expect some catastrophic disasters in your near future if you don't change the oil ever so often or change the transmission fluid, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Stop it, Patrick. You're scaring them. Okay. Number three, number three, my lord. Number three. Number three, my lord. Number three is you look at a car (laughs) for the potential that it has and what you're planning to do with it, not necessarily for what it is right now. So a lot of people, I think, look at a car that's for sale. And they'll be like, well, that's, I don't want that. I don't want this. I don't want this, that, and the other thing. Because it's, it's got an oil leak. Or the rear main seal is leaking. And in order to do the rear main seal, I got to pull the transmission. Or the drive shaft is shot. Or, you know, the bushings need replaced. But if you are going to build a drift car, a lot of things that are going to be regular wear and tear are going to be things that you're going to replace anyway in order to make it functional to be a drift car. Or if you're going to build, oh, if you're going to build a, uh, like a mountain climb car, you're going to want to set the suspension up for mountain climb. So you're going to get rid of the blown suspension that the car has right now on Craigslist and update it anyway. (laughs) Or if the car's got uh, rust, on the rear fender, but you're going to build the car for off-road, so you're going to be cutting the fenders out anyway to put over fenders on it, so you don't really need to worry about the fact that the rust is there. So I think a lot of people pass up really legitimate opportunities to get a good deal on a car because they're discouraged by little things that are up with it that could be Mm -hmm. easily fixed or that aren't going to matter in the near future anyway. So So people should just Take take the time to number one get educated. Number two, not only get educated, get educated to the point where you know know when and where to take advantage of a deal. Because you being you thinking this one minor detail is a big detail when it's really on it's flip. It's it's an opportunity loss for yeah, sure. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's and again, this is why this is so important. Like, if you could just again, you don't have to be a gearhead. You don't have to be like, yo, I'm gonna fix my car from tip top to the bottom. But if you just know the basics, I, just, I talked to uh, Kylie. She was on. She she came on maybe like two three days ago, and just having a general whereabout knowledge on just the most simplistic things can save you so much time and so much money. She went into the dealership, not dealership, she bought her Miata. She just got it for like a grand. And she 
and fast forward like four months or three months in of her having it, she was told that the problem with her car, I forgot exactly what it was, it was a, like a $500 to $1,000 problem. And she was like, okay, I'm going to look into it. He just kind of gave a speculation. And then she goes and does her own little research, Google, and she finds out that it's really just a literally like three to four dollar part that's really causing the perception of a bigger problem like it wasn't as big as yep. what it what, what yep it just was. happened just happened to me mm-hmm. really with the what with happened? starter on the subaru i was doing mm-hmm. all this diagnostic and eventually somebody on the forum and i didn't really have time to deal with it because it was finals so i just needed the car to run and um Somebody was like, well, it just really sounds like your starter. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I just ordered a new starter, threw it on. It took me like 30 minutes to throw the starter on. And then the car still wouldn't start. So I was like, wow, Mm. really? (laughs) Really, car? And um, I went underneath the dash and I was messing with the clutch safety switch, which essentially when you compress the clutch, it lets this little kind of thing pop out. And then that's how the car knows the clutch is being depressed and allows the car to start. And mine is going bad. So I had to wiggle the switch, like wiggle the connector, crank the car with my one hand and push the clutch in with my elbow to get the car to start. But hey, it started. So that was literally a $20 fix that, I mean, I paid, I mean, I paid cost for the starter. So I really only paid 60 bucks for the starter, but Mm. Um, it just would have been a lot simpler of a fix if I would have messed with that beforehand, but it was just, it happens to the best of us. I was so busy and I'm just like, I'm just going to go with what this, like I only scratched the surface of diagnostic and I should have, I should have considered it, but, but oh, well, I mean, figured it out. Oh, well. Yeah, you live and you learn. Like the most important thing is that you just you 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 have clarity. Like so many people live live fast, and I'm guilty of it also in, in certain areas of my life where I don't really care. I just needed to be. I needed to work for now. Like I don't really care what's wrong with it. I just I just needed to work, and if it works, I'm not going to question it. But just going that extra mile and they have to say it, get it fixed, and I might just take the two seconds to slow down and listen over listen or get educated i've literally done this myself i've gone i've gone to uh, a shop and i get out of the car and they're like uh, i was like can i watch and they're like well, it's like yeah they're like sure and i get out of the car they might deal oil change or or they might change tire or change rotors on the car or whatever and i'm asking questions just being curious and just asking What's this do? What's that do? Like that saved me a lot of time. Where now I change my own. Now, now I can put my own brakes on because I had to cringe seven hundred dollars later because brake pads on my on my mother's car were just completely done and it had the calibers froze and hundred. I just saw that and I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that again. (laughs) Brakes, brakes are one of the simplest, easiest things that you can learn to do on a car. Um, you just have to, it's obviously one of the crucial operating mechanisms of a car. So the first kind of, the first time that you want to do them yourself, you want to do them with somebody who knows how to do it or who's done it before. 
Or, I mean, if you get the opportunity to watch a mechanic or have a mechanic teach you, that's also legit because you don't want to be driving down the road super proud of yourself that you did your own brakes and then all of a sudden the brakes don't work. <laughs> so, so, and always tighten your caliper bolts. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, I've had that happen to me. Um, I did not do the brake job, but I was in a car where I had assisted on doing the brakes the like a couple week a couple weeks before, and we're driving. And on one of the front brakes, I did the rears for 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 the record. Um, on one of the front brakes, all of a sudden it just starts going like, and we're going down the hill, and the driver hits the brakes, and the car starts like skipping down the hill like it's just having a grand old time and we're like oh we gonna die today and um we think that it's just a rock I'm like well it's probably a rock in your caliper you're fine so we keep or in your uh rotor you're fine let's go and so we continue around the roundabout hits the brakes again and the whole freaking caliper moves with the brake and I'm like oh sweet Jesus So we pull over and one of the brake or one of the caliber bolts has just worked its way right on out of there and is missing. So we had to have a friend come and bring us one. And he was like four hours away. So shout out to him because that was really nice of him. (laughs) But that was, yeah, we loctited them some bitches in there. So they never came out again. (laughs) I was listening. Write that one down right there. It's the blue loctite. Don't use, uh, what is it? Is it red Loctite that's the really strong one? I don't know. I really, I only use blue Loctite. Blue Loctite is my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Number four. I think, are we on number four? Is this number five? Um, I think it's number four. Number four, the, the fourth tip that you. Number four is how to ride a bike backwards. And I I don't mean like you sit on the bike and you pedal it backwards. I mean, you sit on the handlebars and you put your feet on the pedals and you ride that bike frontwards but backwards. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I know how to do that. And that is content that needs to be created and that will go viral. Yes, it will. Um, I actually have, I mean, I have pictures of us doing it when I was really little, but I don't currently own a bike. So if you can get a bike, I will totally do that on video and I will like, okay, we'll do it, but we'll do it to uh, the Kiki Do You Love Me song. We'll reinvent that in, in a much cooler way. <laughs> It's already done. Like I'm already, I'm on Facebook Marketplace as we speak. <laughs> in areas in Peoria, and I'm seeing who's closest that lives to you, so we can make that happen. Because it's the photos that tells one story, but video goes even deeper. So it's done. So, so what that lesson? How that lesson? Like, is it just something he, he taught you? Just something that stuck it with was, you, or it was just that, kind of party trick that he learned to do and then he taught me and I had this little red tricycle and he taught me how to do it on my tricycle and then when I got older and I had a bike I thought like oh I know how to do this and then I would always like fall and crack my head 
Um, trying to do it on my two wheeler bike with no training wheels, but it was just one of those kinds of things that was it was really hard to learn how to do. But once you learned how to do it, you never forgot it. So it was kind of I just remembered it because it was something that he taught me to do, and I never forgot how to do it. See what I'm saying? Again, this goes into the point that we were talking about earlier, which probably probably got think you said goes into point number five. Like for me, I think that's cool as shit. But I'm not a regular person. You're not a regular person. We're doing, we're doing something of this magnitude at this time. Like most people would be like, "What's the point? Why are you guys doing this?" Number one, number two, why would you be? Why would you be willing to ride a, a, your your a bicycle backwards on the handlebars? Like that's just some. That's not normal. That's it's not basic. Well, I'm not normal. And, Nobody's normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is a there's a level of average. Yeah, if we a, have it's kind of standardized normalcy that people like to fall in, kind of scattered around this line, everybody's this line of normalcy, and people are like, if you're too far outside of that line, then then you're weird. And I I don't know I thrive upon being weird. I am just me. See what I'm saying? That's again this should give clarity on why people have a problem with people like us because we like to kind of like push we like see like jello and we like poke it until it like i don't know until it does something either melts or our finger pierces jello we're like don't touch it we're like no why not <laughs> no why see, not <laughs> where does it come from what's the science behind it everyone else is like what is that they want to pass it like that should give you perspective on why people are like what? I'm going to troll you from 72 different accounts. Number five. Here we go. Number five. Number five is so there was not a single person who did not like my grandpa. And I'm sure that there were people but he was not the kind of individual who gave people a reason not to like him. He never wronged anybody. I'm sure, well, we're, we're going to get into that. He never wronged anyone. However, the lesson is that everybody is always going to have their own opinion about you. And everybody's got their own kind of version of you that lives in their mind just from knowing you. And it is probably different than the version that you see of yourself. So although you might you might do something to somebody or you might have a conversation with somebody and they and you don't see anything at what you said was wrong, they might in their mind think that you wronged them. So they're gonna have formulate this opinion about you. And people that are adamant about kind of spreading these neg- negative opinions about you are going to do it. So the best thing that you can do is to not respond to these kinds of people with hatred. It's you want to just be yourself and you want to be the best version of yourself so that when there are these kind of negative opinions that come up about you, people are like, well, I disagree because I know that person and they've never done anything wrong to me. And other people will be like, well, I know that person and they're really nice. So that one negative experience or that one negative opinion 
does not define you. And even if you have somebody who they believe that you have wronged them, there's no reason to be mean to that person. There's no reason to feed that stigma. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in standing up for yourself, but there is just a certain point where standing up for yourself is essentially kind of digging your own grave. It's revenge is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. So you do not Mm. need to be poisoning yourself and be poisoning your image and poisoning your mind because you are so hell bent on making that other person feel bad for spreading this negativity about you or spreading this negative opinion or having a negative opinion. Some things you just can't change. And it's better for you to just continue to live your life and be who you are and kind of oversaturate the market with who you really are than to mm-hmm. be so become so consumed with getting back at that person for saying something bad about you that you become the stereotype that you were trying to defeat. Hold on. So let me let me start this slow clap really quick. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We just talked about this and it's so awesome to hear you spit that spit that fiddlestick of knowledge right there. It's very, very soothing to the ears right there. That's very wise wisdom. That was my especially my negative no- that was my <laughs> nugget of knowledge for the day. Seriously, like that's it's it's something I can't even express how much I would want to just like go more on that because again, like you go through it and there's so many people online that they don't want to guide us on how to deal with stuff like that, and I feel like you really hit it on the on the top. Like there's nothing wrong with defending yourself, but at the end of the day, you giving so much energy, there's literally a cutoff where you're like, okay, you're literally like digging your own. Like literally, figuratively, however you want to put it, where you're just giving energy to something or someone, and that's all they want at the end of the day. They just want to see a reaction. They want to see what you say. This is the kind of like the whole the whole Jello analogy. Like, let's see what the Jello does. I poke it enough times. Is it gonna melt? Is it gonna blow up? Is it gonna get mad at me? Or is it gonna hug me? Like, the reaction is what those type of people look for, and so. All you, all you can do, especially like you can't please everybody. You just can't. It just, it'll be dope if people saw us eye to eye and everybody was just understood. But not everybody's gonna understand you. So that's why we have clicks of people, persp- different perspectives of people, people that have similar walks of life than you, or that get you. Like it, it's not your job. Our job is not to have the whole world like this podcast. If we can just get a million people in 2019 that can really resonate or passes on to somebody then it's a win it's not seven billion but it's a million people like i would take a million people versus and i'm i'm not gonna cry that i don't know what the number that would be to be six billion nine hundred ninety nine million sure that's a big number <laughs> nine, 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 you get what it's i'm an saying infinite number. <laughs> exactly yeah. so 100 percent motivational decepticon is on a roll right here rolling into number six uh the sixth thing that your grandfather taught you that's stuck with you to this day Go. so number six is actually going to not be equally as motivational but it's going to be motivational in like a mechanical sense so number six is never run 
across the street. Never run across a crosswalk, never run across the street, never run across the parking lot, because when a car is coming and you are going to run across the street to try to beat the car, the car is going to be like, oh, yeah, he's moving pretty fast. I don't need to slow down. And then they're going to hit you because that's just the way that people people are that don't pay attention. But if you're walking across the street, the people are going to be like, oh, look at this idiot walking across the street. I better slow down. And then they won't hit you. That's pretty yep, straightforward. Pretty, pretty, hey, pretty cut dry that's... for that one. Hey, hey. That's sometimes the best motivation when it's like just straight up in your face. Like it doesn't always have to be an analogy of like <laughs> what what can be super valuable and wise to someone. So let's leave it at that. There we go. Hundred percent. I'm never running across the street. Well, never <laughs> my my grandmother actually got a ticket for jaywalking in Alaska, so it doesn't pay to jaywalk. <laughs> Don't jaywalk. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't it get dark? Oh, side note: Doesn't it get dark at like two p.m. in Alaska? I believe during um during the winter it gets dark pretty early in Alaska, and then I know that I'm trying to remember where it is, but in some part of the world. It gets dark and it's dark for like twelve hours. Only on only wow. only for a day or a couple days in one part of the world. I should know that and I knew that at one point in time, but I cannot off the top of my head remember what phenomenon that was. But anyway, uh we're gonna talk about kind of a Midwest phenomenon for the next one of um, number seven. The, the final one, this final epitome of, uh, of wisdom here is um, how to pet a bee. Pet yep. a bee? What are you, you You pet a bee. You like, so we have honeybees in, in the Midwest. I mean, we have honeybees everywhere, but they, there are these little white flowers and they're not dandelions. They're little white, like clover flowers. And the bees would land on these flowers and they would be so preoccupied trying to collect the pollen that you could very gently with your index finger pet their, their butts, their little fluffy butts. Yeah. And I do it all the time, even, even in Arizona, even though um, bees in Arizona are a little bit harder to come by. And in, in Arizona, we have Africanized bees and you do not want to try to pet an Africanized bee. Oh man. No, the Africanized bee will have its bee posse like on the phone on speed dial. Okay, you try to pet an Africanized bee, you will end up in bee jail. Okay, <laughs> like they will take you to like Bee Guantanamo Bay, and you will never come back. So don't don't try to pet an uh, an Africanized bee. So give me context on. Sorry, number one, that's just the Africanized bees in Arizona. How did they get here? I'm sure you've got context, even on the slightest degree, on how they to North America. Or is that, that no? is So, Africanized honeybees, it's like, I mean, we have Africanized honeybees, and then we have these other gigantic black bees. And I don't actually know. I don't actually know if those are considered Africanized bees or not. But people always point at them, and they'll be like, "Oh, there's an Africanized bee. You better not mess with him." But um, essentially, 
an Africanized bee, they call it like a killer bee because they're just more aggressive than a regular bee. And it's like, it's a hybrid species, which was, it's okay. It's kind of hard to explain. It's okay. So they crossbred an Africanized bee with a European species of bee. And Mm -hmm. the bees that had these African genetics are just, they're more aggressive. So they're like the mafia of bees. Fair enough. To kind of give context to us, our human simple-minded brains and analogy, that definitely makes sense. They have like, um, they're just, Cut and dry, they're more aggressive. <laughs> they they have a much a much faster response to stimuli. So if you were to pet like a Western honeybee, like a Westernized honeybee, um, or well, a European species of honeybee, you could like pet them and they would be super chilled. They'd be like, "All right, yeah, I'm just getting my pollen." But if you like happened upon an Africanized bee and you disturbed it in a way that it did not like, like I don't know, you you told like your a really cheesy your mom joke or you, like, looked at it wrong, it would chase you. Like, wow. they, they have a tendency to chase people. So they're just very Yeah, very they're aggressive. very aggressive bees. So, um, it's... Don't Africanize bees. We'll just leave it. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. And then... We'll, we'll, we won't even... I don't even want to track that because I don't want to get stung. Just like, damn it. I was just trying to see if you're a European bee and you're an African bee. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's Don't 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 be angry at me if you try to pet a bee and you get stung. Like, there's... <laughs> that's just kind of a... Um, that's an occupational hazard of being a pro- semi-professional bee petter. But, um... In in some point, po- uh, blah, 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 blah. in some parts of the country, if you happen upon a honeybee, you should just kind of assume that it's Africanized because the populations in those areas are very saturated. But I mean, I've been petting bees since I was maybe four, and I have never been stung. But you're—it's also you have to be very gentle, and you just have to understand bee. Um, body behavior the body language like yeah if you go that's what i love because it's like no one's gonna say that if you for instance if you go up to a bee and you're like a decepticon in disguise told me to pet this bee so i'm gonna pet this bee and you go to pet the bee and you get your finger close to it and the bee freezes do not pet that bee man no, you back away from that bee immediately. That is a no in bee language, okay? If you go to pet a bee and the bee continues on what it's doing and you get very, very close to it with your finger, like millimeters, fractions of a millimeter away from the bee and the bee is just continuing its business, you can you can very gently pet pet the bee. And you want to pet like the fluffy butt part. Don't go trying to pet its face. Or its wings. How would you feel if somebody came up and like ran their hand across your face and you're like, bro, I don't know you like that. (laughs) So you have to pet the fluffy butt part of the bee and 
most bees are pretty chill about it, but then again, we got these like super disguised Africanized bees out there. Yeah. So just learn to speak the bee language. Like earlier, we were speaking car language. So just just <laughs> learn to speak the bee language. Well, there you go, guys. You guys learned your first, you had your first bee side language lesson on the Mr. Man podcast. So I hope you guys are getting super immense monsters value from this because again we we bring it all we get perspectives from females in the automotive industry but they have more to offer than just cars damn it it goes deeper than that like people are more than just car enthusiasts don't just look at them like they're just tools and they can just fix and work on your cars they know how to speak b language jesus <laughs> all right well last thing i'll close this whole thing out with is um What's uh, what's what's Andrea excited about for 2019? What's some things you want to cross goal-wise or you're looking forward to? And then we'll kind of wrap her up. I am looking forward to Miss Manual merch, (laughs) actually. (laughs) I am looking forward to an absolute plethora of Miss Manual merch with many color options because that's that's what I demand. Um. I, I am looking forward to um, my buddy is actually out of the country at the moment, but he is going to let me use a bunch of his tools and he's going to help me do tube frame front and rear bumpers for the Subaru. So I've got a couple like things that I'm going to integrate into that, which is kind of a surprise at this point, but I'm looking forward to working with him to kind of fab that up. Because the car really, it's kind of the next stage for that build. So that's going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a little, little thing, I'm going to get the windows on the Camaro tinted because I'm tired of getting in in the summer and like my skin burning off. Um, it's like right. it's like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark where the priest melts. Yeah, that's, that's what it's like when I get in my car because it's black leather in there. Um, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, and then it's like being attacked by a swarm of Africanized bees. How about that? Oh my and god! Then, Bee puns are all. <laughs> and then the fifty-seven. Hopefully, in twenty nineteen, we'll get its paint job. Um, I'm just gonna go back with the factory black and ivory white single stage lacquer paint. Um. I want to do that, and then I want to do the rims on both the Camaro and the Subaru need to get powder-coated. So that's also on the list. Um, let's see what else on the list. My schedule for next semester is going to be amazing. I am so excited about it. I have a lot of, I've got a lot of biology going on next semester, which is going to be kind of hectic, but biology is my thing. Um, I'm going to crush it, as usual. So I'm super excited to get to work with all of that next semester. And then let's see, what else, what's up, what else is up for the 57? I, oh, I have the car before the 57 that I still have not put on because the problem kind of resolved itself. And I'm don't, I'm in this kind of business of uh, the carburetor. Is that what you said that you got? Yes, kind of the broke carburetor. Up? So I got a new ah, carburetor. Okay. But I have not put it on because I'm kind of in this business of don't fix what's not broken. 
unless you're gonna yes. in very specific situations because i mean updating is always a good idea or if you're gonna improve that's always a good idea but in yeah, my it's experience not car like- if it's not broken don't mess with it because you'll probably break it or make it worse <laughs> So, 100%. So, definitely. I think most of the problems with the 57 just were kind of coming from it being sat for so long and not being driven and taken care of. But after I've been driving it now actively, I did the fluid change. I kind of updated some things. And now it's been running great. So, I have the carb on the shelf and I'm just not going to mess with it till it gets finicky again. Interesting. Sounds like a very interesting 2019. This is only like touching the surface because a lot of things that you set out you want to do, this is why I like talking to you. You really go out there and make a goal to achieve it. And so, guys, you guys heard it first. Again, we're bringing more Decepticon back. We're bringing Decepticons guys back more and more and it's going to be super fun. And yes, she touched on it. Merchandise is coming back.